And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So are you aware of how 1031 exchanges support entrepreneurs? I'm not. But much like yourself, I'm getting ready to learn how and why. That's what we're going to talk about on today's episode of Startup Hustle before we get too far into that. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Recently named in the Inc. 5000 as one of America's fastest growing private companies. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. With me today, I've got Alex Olson, and Alex is a senior real estate broker at Exchange, and that's Exchange CRE. There's a link for that in the show notes if you want to learn more about what they do. But we're going to talk all about commercial real estate and a couple other things. So I guess without further ado, Alex, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, this is awesome. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, as I mentioned, learning more about, I'm not going to claim to know anything <laughs> about 1031 exchanges and how that supports entrepreneurs. Before we get into that topic, let's get a little bit more about your backstory. Yeah, so, I mean, I love the entrepreneurship uh, discussion. I've been an entrepreneur since I was probably eight years old, uh, pretending to develop my own business, sell my dad's junk tools at the end of a driveway in the country. Uh, by the way, we had no customers. Uh, but then also, as I became older, I always had a W-2 job and then a side gig of some sort. So I actually developed a, a movie social network back in the day and made a few dollars on that selling advertisements uh, and then I sold that company to my partners and was always looking for something different. And when we built our dream house, my wife and I, I fell in love with the real estate process, you know, financing, creativity, uh, how things look and feel, all those kind of things. And uh, so I bought a, a duplex after that. We'd done a great job of building our house. And by that, I mean, we had a, a bunch of equity already built in after the house was completed. So I used that money. So the home equity we had to pull out a loan and buy a duplex, a fiveplex, a couple houses over a couple year period. And, you know, that was great. It was some fun income. Uh, didn't make a lot of money doing it right away, which you usually don't in real estate, full disclosure. Uh, but through that, I actually met a mentor who I was trying to buy his house from him, actually. Uh, I was going to turn it into a big Airbnb house. And he's like, man, you're really persistent. Let's meet up. And so I met up with him and he's like, you need to go out and get your real estate license. And I'm like, dude, I have no interest in becoming a you know, single family home agent where I'm showing houses and telling people how great the color of the paint is, all that kind of stuff. 
Uh, and he said, no, no, no. I want you to become a multifamily specialist in commercial real estate. Uh, long story short, after that, I immediately, something clicked in my head, immediately studied for the real estate exam, got my real estate license, hooked up with a local brokerage firm in here that could show me the ropes, met some great people. Uh, from there, fell in love with what's called a 1031 exchange in real estate, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and been doing that here for a couple of years, started as a side hustle, but it's been full time now for a couple of years and it's been awesome. So let's just get into the, the, uh, nuts and bolts here and the meat. Like what is a 1031 exchange? Let's just start there. Yeah. A 1031 exchange is for real estate investors and it allows you to take any type of real estate investment that you own sell that investment, defer all of your capital gains, so you're not paying any taxes on that at the time, and buy another real estate investment property. And you're not paying any taxes doing that. And the reason why that's an important tool for you know, entrepreneurs or people that have dabbled in real estate in the past uh, and I'll get into an example, but that allows you really to upgrade your portfolio by really doing not a whole lot and you're avoiding taxes, which, you know, is kind of unheard of in the world today. So it's similar to like opportunity zones, except for you don't need to be in an opportunity zone. That's exactly right. So um, opportunity zones are a little bit different in how they're structured, of course. But I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a single family home that maybe even you, you bought as your first residence. But in the last 10 years or five years, you've turned it into a rental property. And maybe you paid $100,000 for it. It's now worth three fifty. dollars All right. So doing the quick math there, you have $250,000 in equity sitting in this house. And maybe it's only renting for 2000 So you're not really generating too much cash flow from this house. Yeah, it's great. It maybe you make a dollar or two, but it's just sitting there and you have all this untapped money that you're not using in the house because of appreciation or whatever. So you can take through a 1031 exchange, you can sell that house to another investor and go out and take that $250,000 that you have gained via appreciation uh, maybe you're paying down some debt too, and take that $250,000 and invest it in a million dollar property, or maybe even a $1.2 million property, and cash flow 10 times what you were cash flowing before and paying no taxes in doing it. Um, so, in that scenario, you're, you're taking your $250, buying a million bucks, and you probably had the one house, and now you have, let's say, eight to 12 units in an apartment complex that you probably have somebody else managing it for you as well. So that's the power of a 1031 exchange. So I understand the purpose of why opportunity zones were created. And for those that aren't aware, an opportunity zone, there's like 9,000 or something of those in the United States. And they're usually areas that have seen better days and need some <laughs> kind of revitalization. So these opportunity zones allow for 
not only investment in real estate, but investment in businesses. And if you, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you hold on to them for seven years, it cuts your capital gains in half. If you hold on them for 10 years, there is no capital gains. Is that, that's a correct layout. Yeah, that, that, right? uh, yep. That, I believe that's correct. And that's the important piece is um, what you said more at the beginning, which is typically have seen better days, uh, those areas and relies on a lot of development and putting funds in. So you have to have a really experienced uh, opportunity zone, also called an Oz fund investor that you're trusting your money with on that situation. The problem with opportunity zones is that, um, that well, I mean, these are dicey areas for the most part to get started with. So, I mean, even though you might defer some capital gains, um, owning real estate in areas that isn't in demand uh, uh, isn't always the greatest move. But what was the purpose of creating the 1031? Was there some intent behind that? Great question. So, yeah, a lot of the intent, it actually dates back to the 19-teens uh, okay. is when it was first introduced. And it's a federal tax code. Um, but anyways, in the 19-teens, it, really, it was designed for farmers and farm owners you know, landowners that could exchange uh, sales of property without having to, to pay the tax burden. Um, and then from there, there was a couple different, of course, lawsuits and court cases and changes to it in the 1920s. Uh, in the 1950s or so, it was sort of codified as a federal IRS tax code. Um, and then, of course, more more lawsuits and and uh, different things happened to shore up the requirements for it. Because what happened was, prior to, to the 1970s, there was kind of an unlimited time frame on when you could identify and close out a property. Um, and then in the 70s, they had a you know a court case or whatever, and it shrunk the time frame down. So once you sell your property, the property that you're relinquishing, you have 45 days to identify up to three properties. Um, and all that kind of stuff was codified in the 1980s and um, really has remained for the most part unchanged since then. Uh, you know, the, the main part of the 1031 exchange is you can take any type of real estate, farm ground, uh, you know, vacant lot, apartments, commercial, whatever, and exchange into any other type. And you can also exchange in and out of any other state. So you could be in Kansas and you want to take your farm ground in Kansas and buy a, a skyscraper in uh, Nashville. You could do that uh, and defer your taxes. But you have, and, to sell it. you have to sell it to another investor? Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, that, well, no, a, a farmer would be an investor in that situation. Okay. But in general, um, but in general with the 1031. Yeah, you can't you can't take a personal property that you live in uh, or use as a vacation rental and sell that, um, you know, and, and keep, you know, try to pretend like that's an investment property. And there's all sorts of things you can do to prove that um, the other pieces you can't do like you can't flip houses. Right. So I can't go down here on a certain boulevard or whatever and buy a house for 10,000, sell for 100. Uh, you know, four months later, because that's more considered a business transaction. That's not a real estate investment. Um, so there, there's certain rules around that. The, the big thing you got to remember is 
you have to have owned the property for a, a rule of thumb is a year. Although we actually have had clients that have owned it for, you know, five, six months. Um, and they had no intention of selling, but an off-market offer came to them and offered them too much money. And they were able to claim that as a 1031 exchange. So I think that, that obviously that it's, it's always so interesting, the things that survive from, I mean, you're talking a hundred years ago. Yeah. And, uh, and the interest, <laughs> the interesting ways that entrepreneurs and investors find to use it. Now, by the way, I do have an actual definition, um, other than just our comments or Alex's comments, I shouldn't say our, mine are very <laughs> uninformed on this subject. A 1031 tax deferred exchange known as a 1031 exchange gets its name from section 1031 of the U S Internal Revenue Code, which allows you to avoid paying capital gains taxes when you sell an investment property and reinvest the proceeds from the sale within certain time limits on a property or properties of like kind or equal or greater value. So, congratulations on being very accurate with that <laughs> definition. That was a better that, version, but yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you can read this stuff and you're like, "What is this shit?" Like, it doesn't yeah. always make sense to people. So, you know, the thing I the thing that I I find interesting, you know, here on Startup also we like to delve into so many different shapes and forms of entrepreneurship. And there's people that are entrepreneurs everywhere. Like we've even talked about like that bands are startups. And yeah. I worked in the music industry for a while. And I got reminded of that as I went and saw my buddies from Humphreys McGee perform in front of thousands of people a couple of weeks ago. And uh, one of the guys was, he was like, well, what's your podcast about? I was like, it's about entrepreneurship and business owners. He's like, I'm a business owner. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to real estate, there are a lot of quote business owners that might not always think of themselves as business owners. And, um, you know, honestly, Alex, real estate hasn't really been my investment vehicle. I've done it in the past, actually back in before what we called the housing bubble. Or the financial <laughs> crisis of 2000. I, I was on the good side of that and the nice. shitty side of it. Good wow. and bad. <laughs> I, overall, still, still won. Still won. But, um, you know, it, but definitely was able to an ex experience. That was in some ways my first form of, we'll say, bigger ticket entrepreneurship. Much like yep. yourself at eight, I was pretending to be a business owner. I was you know, there was a golf course near my parents' house. I used to go find golf balls in the ponds and streams and go sell them on the tee box and stuff. And heck yeah, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, I did a lot of different shit growing up. I also did a <laughs> business where I painted, you know, the address numbers that are painted on curves. Yep. I, I did that for, that was actually pretty lucrative. We make a couple hundred yeah. bucks a day doing that pretty, <laughs> pretty part time too. But, but yeah, so, but the, but owning an actual uh, real uh, rental properties, was great. And I think this is a pretty cool way. Now I gotta be honest, I wasn't even, a, I I've heard 1031 now that I, now that we get into it, I've, uh, talked to some people about that and, um, you know, I've heard of it. I wasn't really sure of how it worked. I've become pretty well versed with opportunity zones, which is a, kind of a similar concept. Yeah. Uh, mainly really because I've had, I've had uh, clients that, um, you know, so we specialize in 1031 exchange. That's obviously why our name is mm -hmm. Exchange CRE. So a lot of the there's sellers- a, There's a link for that in the show notes, people. Yes, check it out. But there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot of sellers that we work with 
that are like, hey, look, I'm at the end of my wits here with this property. I don't have to sell it, but sure, if you bring me a great offer, let's sell it. And I'll probably consider doing a 1031 exchange into, you know, something that's more passive. Uh, and we've had clients that go kind of the opposite, like the route that you're talking about, where they go invest into an OZ fund, an opportunity zone fund with those proceeds. Um, and uh, we definitely can help people steer the right way in there. As we talked about on the show, it's a little bit, in my opinion, of course, because I'm not an expert in OZ funds, but it's more dangerous because you have to rely on an expert developer to, um, you know, really prove that you can get some income on it because it's not all about deferring your capital gains uh, if you're not making income. Uh, so, yeah. well, that's, that's, why, that's uh, why I made that comment earlier. I mean, those are already like, um, you know, those are already uh, dicey areas mm -hmm. <laughs> and so you know and, and now with that though there are some that i think are almost like lay down bets too like there's some really good opportunity zones and i don't like to talk about local stuff because we have more listeners outside of kansas yep. city but like well martin city and mm -hmm. you know like that's and and that's actually grown because of some of the businesses that are there there's some a couple of big tech businesses and you know, with that, some big barbecue restaurants open because we love our barbecue. And by the way, Kansas City barbecue is the best. I saw an article recently in St. Louis just trying to say that, and I wouldn't hear yeah, that bullshit. shit. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but you know, with that, um, you know, there's been some, there's some areas in like the office that I'm in right now where the Startup Hustle Studio is at is in an opportunity zone, which is the downtown area of Kansas City, Kansas. That's right, people. Kansas City is in Kansas and Missouri. I blow people's minds with that. The Kansas City Chiefs play in Missouri. Someone listening yeah. is like, whoa. <laughs> and they're looking at a map. It's true. You don't even need to look at a map. I'll tell you it's true. But, <laughs> but yeah, but there's some areas. And I think that, you know, like I think that you made a point in the beginning. You said, well, I didn't make money quickly. Real estate isn't usually like that. It's not a, it's not, you know, that's, and that's part of why it hasn't really been my thing. Because I don't have the patience to wait sure. 10 years. You know, I have ADD. 10 years is like, and ADD years is like 60 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so really like, that's a, yeah, that doesn't really go. But but with that, I think, it, you know, real estate in general can be a really, if you're willing to do a little work and a little hustle. Now, maybe a 1031 isn't the right thing, but you can buy a rental home. And what you meant, you know, the my first rental homes were homes that I lived in. Yep. And I just didn't sell the home that I lived in. I rented it out after I moved to another one. And exactly. you can actually create kind of a mechanized series of leverage along the way, which was what got people in trouble a yep. little bit. But if you do it right, you can, you know, you basically gain enough equity in one property to leverage that into another and another and another and another. Yeah. No, no, you're not there's, but there's one thing with real estate, you have to pick winners. You have to pick yeah. things that people want to buy or will generate revenue. And some of these things, like this is the issue on the flip side of like the opportunity zone stuff. Some of those things are fucking money pits, man. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, so you can buy a building for a dollar in a lot of places and people are like, Whoa, how, where do I get a building for a dollar? I'm like, a lot of places, but this probably going to cost you like 2 million bucks to actually make it serviceable. So yep. what, what, what appears to be a good deal can also just be very, very treacherous in a lot of ways too. Yeah. It's, you, you hit a lot of nails on the head. 
through that conversation because there are so many people that try to swing for the fences in real estate when they first get started. They're going to hit a home run, right? It's like, I don't care if I'm doing something, I'm going to go full board, hit this thing as a home run. Um, and there's people that I know that, yeah, they bought buildings uh, in bad areas for a dollar and then have some tenants in there. And oh, by the way, six months later, the building catches on fire and heaven forbid somebody passes away in that. I mean, are you kidding me? That's going to mess up your life for a long period of time. Uh, and you got to do things the right way. Now, what you can do on that situation is 1031 exchange out of it. You hate that freaking investment you made. You made a horrible decision. You can 1031 exchange that into a better decision. Um, maybe it's instead of buying a hundred year old building for a dollar and putting 2 million into it, maybe now then you're doing, uh, taking a, a 19, well, sorry, a 2020, uh, building a 2020 building and putting 2 million or, you know, you, you bought that for 2 million bucks, uh, and you actually have some cash flow and maybe it's a lot more passive. So there are so many different ways to lose money in real estate, probably oh, yeah. to make money. <laughs> It's a lot of ways um, to get your money stuck too. Yes. I mean, that's, that's something I want to talk a little bit more about that right after I remind everyone that finding expert software developers does not have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. You can use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. You know, speaking of, of, you know, part of what my business does, which is we've created expertise around finding and identifying and assessing people with high levels of technical talent and skill. I mean, I think before you dive into anything, uh, it's probably good to develop a little bit of expertise and not, well, I think you got to learn. Uh, I, I often, I'm a big baseball fan. So you got to learn how to not just swing at every single pitch that comes in. There's a lot of real estate for sale out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you walk down the, the street, especially in certain areas, no matter what town you're in, and there are properties that might not even say they're for sale, but they're definitely for sale. <laughs> they're like, please, somebody buy this thing. Um, and you got to do your due diligence on that property. You, know, you can't just go in there and say, I like the bones of this thing. Um, you have to have a plan. You have to understand where you're going with it. And there's different personality types. You know, talk about being an entrepreneur in real estate uh, where you can fit into that. It doesn't matter. You mentioned you got ADD. You mentioned, you know, there's a lot of people that want something where it's maybe a little bit faster turn on their money. There's still a lot of different ways to do that in real estate. Uh, you know, it's picking the, those that fit your personality. I had a a CEO friend of mine that was not great at real estate because he wanted fast returns. And so he partnered up with somebody and said, Hey, look, I, you know, I, there's no way I can do this long-term real estate thing. Here's some money. Uh, make me some money out of this thing. I know you're a long-term guy. Uh, and so there's a lot of people that, that actually shell out their, their money that's available to them. Uh, and put it into real estate, different vehicles. You talked about opportunity zones. There's also, you know, tenancy in common uh, uh, type of assets. And then you can also do syndications, right? You can put $50,000, $100,000 into syndication. And that syndication might, uh, you know, promise or hope to get you 8 to 10% on your money. And you're still in the real estate game, at least in that business. 
um, because you're owning a piece of that pie. So there's all sorts of different ways. And then, oh, by the way, when they sell, there's 1031 exchange opportunities for you out there. So even if you're in real estate and you're like passive, you still got to know a lot of the lingo so you can uh, put your money with smart investors and uh, have it there for the long term, uh, even if you're hoping for some short term gain. What's the biggest mistake investors make when attempting a 1031? The biggest inv uh, mistake, man, I'll tell you, is <laughs> I know you love baseball. I love baseball. It's swinging for the fences on that 1031 exchange. If you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars, they're going to be taxed um, heavily. If you don't replace this property that you sold, you're paying a lot of money. And so people get into that 34, 35, 40th day of identifying, and they're still looking for that perfect property that doesn't exist, by the way. Um, they're making a lot of mistakes at that point. And, you know, so the, the thing I always say is when you're doing a 1031 exchange, you don't need to hit a home run. You're already taking a property that you either don't like or have made plenty of money on. And so now then your next step is to go out and find something that you make more money on and or you like more. If you do that, you win. And, and real estate's about winning, not hitting home runs. Uh, and that is so important. And we have so many people that come to us in the last minute and say, hey, look, I can't find something where it gives me 20% year over year returns. Um, and I said, yeah, I know you can't find that because they don't exist. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's very important that people understand that deadline and understand that you don't have to go out and look for the same results you got when you bought this property because maybe you were getting 20% on that property when you bought it 20 years ago, um, but you're selling it for a reason. And now it's a different world and you just need to make sure that you win, not, not that you hit a home run. So I, I got a def another definition here and it's referring to a qualified intermediary. So a qualified intermediary is a person or company that agrees to facilitate the 1031 exchange by holding the funds involved in the transaction until they can be transferred to the seller of the replacement property. The qualified intermediary can have no other formal relationship with the, with the parties exchanging property. So is, is that the same as a buyer's broker or is that different? Yeah, no. So that is completely different. Um, the, Qualified intermediary is somebody that you just said in that definition holds the funds. So you never touch them. You're literally never touching those funds. When you sell your property on one, two, one main street, and you've got a million dollars in equity that you're gaining from that sale, the qualified intermediary holds every dime of that fund. And there's, there's guys and gals out there that that's all they do. And, you know, some of them probably put it in some kind of short-term investment fund, although I don't know how uh, there's different things with that. There might be some interest bearing on that. Um, they charge a couple thousand bucks per transaction, but that's all they do is protect your money. So there definitely is some, some trust that needs to be there with a qualified intermediary. A lot of the title companies will have somebody that's built in to do that. Uh, some of them are big pain in the ass, but the title company does have that, uh, the bigger ones. And um, anybody can be a qualified intermediary, though, like you just said, as long as they don't have a formal relationship with you prior. 
Um, but I wouldn't trust anybody to do it other than either somebody who the title company recommends or somebody who somebody like myself recommends that can handle it. And that qualified intermediary can be in any state. So you might have a, a, a great qualified intermediary in Florida that does all your work in uh, California. And that's totally acceptable and accepted because again, this is all a federal statute. You know, it's an IRS guideline. Can you give a good example of that you've seen of someone leveraging the 1031 exchange? Yeah. So I have uh, uh, my favorite example, and I was actually just posting about this on LinkedIn, where we had a client come to us. They weren't a client yet, but they found us and said, hey, look, I've got this property in San Francisco Bay. Used to be my rental pro or my home 10 years ago. I'm going to sell it for a million bucks. And I want to buy something in Kansas City that cash flows. So they took that million dollar property that had no debt on it and they sold it. And we guided them on finding their qualified intermediary. And then we went out and found them 32 units here in, in the Kansas City area that they were able to invest in. And so they took their one unit that they were renting for $3,500 a month and turned that into something that they were renting for $40,000 a month. Uh, and they were able to cash flow around $80,000 per year, whereas prior they were cash flowing somewhere around $24,000 per year. So they did what I call is the best, one of the best things you can do for leverage. I mean, these are basically accidental investors, right? They lived in this house, uh, you know, many years ago, turned it into a rental and never did anything with it. And then now then they're passive. I mean, they have property manager they have to manage, but they're passive here in Kansas city, cash flowing, you know, $70,000 uh, a year with something that they bought 10 years ago. Is that part of what you help people plan and do at Exchange CRE? Yeah, that's exactly what we help, right? So we're going to help people that say, hey, look, I've got a property. I'm selling it. Uh, we help identify. We help them with a, with a qualified intermediary. We help them with property management. We help them with attorneys if they need it. We can coach them on the Kansas City market. What are the great areas to invest in? What are the bad areas to invest in? Um, so we're basically, I mean, we are a real estate brokerage firm and uh, on the commercial side, meaning, you know, something that's more typically more than four units um, and we'll help them. We'll search high and low. We have relationships with sellers. We also do cold calling where we're finding them a replacement property and how we make money typically is the seller is going to pay the real estate commission to our firm on that transaction when it closes. Well, I always like to talk about having experts and I think that, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, I've, I've learned to really lean on experts, which has also been so much to do with, I mean, similar to what you're doing with advising people on 1031 exchanges. I mean, that's kind of like what we do at full scale. So last reminder, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, let full scale help. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few simple questions, and then you let our platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. 
At Full Scale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more at fullscale.io. The uh, power of the platform, you know, as we've been having this discussion, Alex, I've been looking at your site and there's a lot of stuff going on. I see you guys have a marketplace on there. Is that, is the intent of that to uh, help 1031 transactions find other needed 1031 partners? Yeah. So the purpose of our marketplace, it's an off market listings, so to speak. We don't call them listings because they're not listings. We don't have a listing agreement with the seller, but they're off market opportunities for people in a 1031 exchange deadline or not, you don't have to be in a 1031 exchange deadline to be an investor, want to find great deals. And so we have this whole members only place where you can look at uh, multifamily opportunities there that um, are going to be exclusive to Kansas and Missouri uh, that are going to be cash flowing opportunities for people on a 1031 exchange deadline. And anybody can sign up. We have a quick consultation and talk them, you know, talk with them about what their needs are and, and maybe where they want to go. And we continue to put properties in front of them. We talk about, hey, look, here's why we think this one might be a good property for you. Sometimes you have clients come to us and say, look, I saw this property online, you know, on market. I mean, what do you what do you think of it? And, you know, sometimes it's a great buy. And sometimes, you know, we have something similar that's maybe a better buy. So, yeah, our marketplace is open to anybody that wants to buy investment real estate. Um, and uh, similar to what you're talking about with your company, you know, we love people to go in there, get in there, sign up and, uh, you know, start the process. So as we come to, as we prepare to run out of time on yet another episode of Startup Hustle, I like to end my episodes, you know, oftentimes with what I call the founders freestyle, which is founder to founder advice. However, I think we can pivot that a little bit. And, you know, oftentimes in startups, the favorite move is the pivot. I mean, what, what's some <laughs> advice that you can give to just people that want to explore real estate entrepreneurship? And, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, Hey, I really want to do it. But I mean, what, I mean, and let's, you know, maybe, maybe it's fine to have a long winded answer here. Cause I know that's a pretty broad question, but like, if I want to get started with all this, what's the best way to go do that? And maybe some, you know, little, a couple do's or don'ts. Yeah. So that, I mean, that is a great question. And I think a lot of people are interested in real estate, but maybe don't know how or think they can't. Right. So the first question I would think most people would ask is, well, I don't have any money to do that. How do I do that? And um, there's an amazing book out there that Brandon Turner wrote, who is uh, an executive with Bigger Pockets website, which I also recommend. So two things I recommend out of that <laughs> statement there is going to biggerpockets.com. It's all about real estate investing uh, from single family homes to commercial to, you know, rentals and Airbnb and all those kind of things. Uh, the other thing is Brandon Turner's book, it, you know, talks a lot about, you know, how to invest in real estate with no or low money down, meaning you're not have, you don't have to put a ton of money into this thing to get it started. And so, um, that's the biggest hurdle is how do I get started? I don't have any money. Well, you actually do have money, similar to what I talked about, right? In your home equity line of credit, you might, even if you bought it three years ago, you probably have a lot of equity that's in there that you could tap into. 
you might have a savings where you've got 20,000 bucks in it and you've got a friend that also has $20,000 in it. Um, and you can use that $40,000 to buy a $200,000 property uh, in a lot of markets. And um, so those are a couple of starter starting points. And also, obviously, you can reach out to me, even though we work a lot with 1031 exchange clients. We also work a lot with new investors that are wanting to invest in real estate. And there's all sorts of ways you can do that. Um, and I'm happy to provide kind of a starter guide on how to how to get started. But the biggest hurdle is actually doing it right? You've got the mindset, okay, I've got, you know, $50,000, $100,000 that I can tap into somewhere. Um, and I've got some properties I like and a location I like, but I just can't get over the hump of actually doing it because there's all these perceived risks, which don't get me wrong, there is risk in real estate. You we talked about this at the beginning, right? In 2008, uh, before and after, you know, financial bubble, et cetera. And the hardest part is actually pulling the trigger. And um, I think if you look at people who invest in real estate for the long term, especially in multifamily, I don't know of many, if any, that have said, you know what, that was a stupid decision that I bought a duplex at a decent price five years ago. Most people... Yes, they might hate it that they, you know, had to do some toilet work and clean some faucets and stuff like that. But when they go to look at how much that duplex or fiveplex or whatever is actually worth now, they are very happy they did that. Um, and there's all sorts of ways to uh, overcome those objections in your mind. The biggest thing is having a decent agent. So make sure you have a real estate agent. Don't think that you don't need one. And I'm not saying that just because I'm an agent. I'm saying that from experience before I was an agent. Um, there's so many little things that they can help you with, uh, especially on your first transaction. And so finding a great real estate agent in your area that likes to work with real estate investors is of absolute importance. Don't use your friend, your mom, um, your best friend, unless they're actually an investor in real estate themselves. Uh, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but there are a lot of different opportunities out there for someone who wants to get started. The biggest hurdle is just doing it. Find a duplex you like, uh, offer on it, find an agent that helps you offer on it, close it out, go through the process, learn those uh, processes and manage that property yourself or have your, your uncle do it or whoever's local and um, see how things look after a year or two. And decide if you want to do it again. Yeah, I think that, that you know, I'll tack on to that. I normally I do the freestyle. I give it to the guests and kind of close out the episode. I I, I think that, you know, Alex is you got just do it. You gotta get started on doing it. I think the number one thing that people, oh man, if it's anything from writing a book to starting a business to whatever. You got to just do it at some point. The perfect time never arrives. In fact, in my book, Balance Me, I write I wrote about the right time myth because the right time never really comes. And if you find yourself saying that a lot, you are probably 
succumbing to the right time myth. And, you know, there are times that are better than others, but the right time is usually not a thing. Uh, I think that so many people are sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of home equity, especially, you know, the, if you've owned a, a home for a while, you know, you've seen prices. I mean, I've been subjected to that. I got a shitload of home equity myself. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, hidden ways to tap that money. Uh, I think that home equity is a bit of a myth as far as like, it's like hidden unused wealth. Like you can leverage it to do a whole lot of other things. Make sure you know what you're doing. I think Alex is hitting the head. Uh, finding, if you're trying to buy real estate for purposes of investment, find a broker or an agent that understands that. Cause I think it's a lot different than just buying a home. Commercial real estate is also a lot uh, trickier of a, of a prospect than just buying single family homes. So mm-hmm. figure it out, people. And, you know, there's a uh, there's a link in the show notes to Alex's business. There is they have quite a few experts in there themselves. Alex, thanks for joining me, man. I'm going to catch up with you down the road. Awesome, man. I really appreciate you being on your show. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.